I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no? Did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Oops! The Podcast. I'm Julio. I'm sitting next to my pal, Francis. Ready to fucking let her rip, baby. Friends for life. Friends here we for are. Life. Here we go. Yes, sir. Good to be back with you, dear dear friend. It's good to be here. Yeah. You know, fucking good stuff. What's happening? By the way, we should set an over under on the every episode of the podcast for how long it takes Julia to say the F word. <laughs> you rip an F word within the first 30 seconds every Often. single time. <laughs> And you don't you don't drop f bombs throughout. I just get in there. Maybe That's I'm nervous. just your way to break break I the ice. Break to myself. Interesting. I usually say, "Julio, how are you?" And you go, "Man, you know, just uh, fucking, <laughs> just fucking, I do I don't do know, that. doing I do, the thing." I do do that. You're like, whoa, okay. Yeah, I, no, I, I swear it. a lot. I guess. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, dude, so I had a funny. Never judge a book by their cover situation happen that I really, I watched it happen. I was like, I can't wait to talk about this on the pod. Excellent. So I went to Sugarfish, which I think we've talked about this love before. I've talked fish. about it on Packlight. I love Sugarfish. Good sushi, whatever. Not too expensive, whatever, whatever. So anyway, I'm sitting there and there's this table of bros. Now these guys look like the table of bros you'd see at a sports bar with a tower of beer screaming, woo, and doing all that shit. Yeah. Bro shit. You know what I mean? They look like potentially sort of like disruptive individuals. They look like they might know us. And here's an example. Yeah, but like, yes, potentially. One of the guys, one of the guys uh, was wearing a Guinness shirt. And the other guy was wearing like an Under Armour Boston shirt, wearing shorts and high white socks and with a backwards hat. Like these are just like stereotypical look bros. Mm-hmm. And dude, the sushi starts coming out and these were the most well-behaved understated <laughs> wonderful bros you've ever seen and i remember one specific moment where they brought out whatever the kampachi and everyone's like trying the piece and the one guy who looked the most broy of all of them he tries it and he very understatedly just goes fire <laughs> fire it's fire <laughs> still using the bro lingo i like these guys a lot <laughs> these guys fantastic there's nothing that's a very satisfying thing to (laughs) to encounter a languid bro dude it's great a languid bro yeah never judge a book by its cover shout out to these nothing wrong with bros bros if you're if you're gonna be peaceful and kind of respectful being a bro is great if you're not a dick yeah moral of the story being a dick sucks anything else is fine Mm -hmm. right yeah be nice to people boy that is cool i wish i had seen those guys i really enjoyed it man that uh, that's great 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 uh when did you go i went f- i get technically for my birthday which dude again like the fucking car like the way i got treated so well by my girlfriend i need to start saving up for her birthday next year already <laughs> yeah she man. took me to dinner there then her parents picked up the bill at our dinner at cosme on my actual birthday you which, went to cosme dude it was so fucking good too, dude that's man. my favorite number one favorite restaurant in all of new york city and, dude, and i know and and it's funny i had i had heard about it before and then you reinforced how much i needed to go yeah and we were kind of just waiting for a special occasion and we went and it was just fantastic uh. so the guy is one of the he's the chef he's actually on a chef's table episode pujol 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 it's like a very famous restaurant in Mexico City. Yes. That's I forget, where their flagship restaurant I is. I forget the guy's name. It's always ranked the, one of the top, the top in the world restaurants in the world. But the one, Cosme, New York, is also typically ranked in the top 50. So, yeah. very. It was very exciting. It's Mexican um, food, but it's the most gourmet, so sort of modern... I don't know, haute cuisine Mexican food you could... It's hard to describe. Totally. It's like a... It's like a gastronomical experience but yeah. it's not like obnoxious it's just like it's just like chef's table like if you mm-hmm. guys watch chef's table it's like chef's table you walk out super full the portions oh are not small and so they, their signature dish is the duck carnitas i know dude and that was it was for two we would have gotten it but hillary doesn't eat doesn't eat that i see go back but, sometime we'll go back sometime let's go yeah you but, know they do brunch so it's a lot less expensive and they you can get the duck carnitas oh really brunch, yeah. that's amazing that's good to know but it's dude spicy, we had though. Really, I love yeah. spicy. That's great. Yeah. But dude, we had we had everything. Like 
the brisket, the fact just we had. Yeah. I don't feel that I missed out by not having the carnitas. I mean, I would certainly love to try them sometime. But the corn meringue, do you ever, have you ever had that? that I a, can't exactly remember. It was just a dessert item that was just not, I wasn't expecting to be good. And it was the highlight of the meal for us. Really? And I've never said that dessert was the highlight of a meal. Wow. So whatever. Interesting. Um, um, what do you got? I got something for you, dude. Uh, there was an, an amazing article in the New York Times about the declining birth rates in the world. Interesting. And you've I've heard a lot about declining birth rates. And it's always given me, um, it's always made me feel relieved because in my mind, the world is overpopulated. You walk down the street of Soho on a Saturday morning and you're like, yeah, the, the words of Bill Burr, <laughs> like we need a plague, you know? Um, Famous last words. Yeah, and exactly, right? And uh, and yet the the birth rates are declining in, in, in America and in China. And the only places that they're not declining, actually, where they're actually surging are in Africa, specifically Nigeria. They said that by the end of the century, if the rates continue, the population of Nigeria will surpass the population of China. That's fucking bonkers. That's what it says in this article. And it, yeah, they're like, they're in the top 10. They were not in the top five last I checked, but I know that it's like sprawling and has a shit ton of people. Yeah. But here... Here's why I always thought that lower, um, you know, po- declining populations would just be a good thing for the world. But this article lays out why there are some negative consequences. Um, and it says things like this, right? The strain of longer lives and low fertility leading to fewer workers and more retirees. Yeah threatens to upend how societies are organized. They're already dealing with that in China. Too, around right? we, we have, you think about this, societies organize around the notion that a surplus of young people will drive economies and help pay for the old. Correct. It may also require a reconceptualization of family and nation. Imagine entire regions where everyone is 70 or older. Right, right. Imagine governments laying out huge bonuses for immigrants and mothers with lots of children, like getting paid to have bigger right. families. Imagine a gig economy filled with grandparents and Super Bowl ads promoting procreation. Damn. Crazy, Everyone's dude. all of a sudden going to get rewarded for having tons of kids. It's crazy. And yeah, they're already saying that like in China, I've heard that, I'm sure they talk about it in this article, how it's already like a big issue because they have so many old people. And like people really take care of the old elderly there and there just aren't enough people to do it. Exactly. It's interesting. And uh, this was interesting, right? So the when, when you, you say declining birth rates, if you think about this, I hadn't thought about this. In order for a family to replenish itself, parents have to have, on average, 2.1 children, mm-hmm. right? Because you presume that both parents will die. And then if you had two children, well, they would exactly replace. Right. But to, I guess it's 2.1 is how you get ahead or whatever. Right, right. Uh, and it's like a lot of places, It's in Korea, it's 0.9 children per family right now. Crazy. It means their population is plummeting. It's crazy. But you also wonder, like a place like Korea is really densely populated. So, and I guess, but I guess it doesn't matter because like, like you said, demographics, like if you just have a shit ton of old people and a bunch of young people are not a bunch of young people, that sucks. And especially yeah. countries like that, like Japan, like the old people live long as fuck. That's true. And uh, they said that even from the start of the 19, 1900s was when we saw the biggest population boom. The population like doubled at least. I, it might have even been more from the start to the, to the end. Interesting. Uh, but now, it, since, since the turn of the millennium, um, it's just going way down. Oh, interesting. And I, you know, it, it's definitely good for resources and for like the earth and all of that. But uh, I don't know, man. I don't. We're in a weird spot. I don't think we're going to get to really enjoy w- whatever you know, sort of stretching out comfort comes from having fewer people on Earth. Yeah, we're just going to get right in the middle. We're going to get screwed. Well, dude, this is going to fuck you up a little bit potentially. I was watching. I was literally watching something last night about this, and these guys who run these sort of these uh, companies that are looking at genetic stuff and trying to make ways to like prevent the aging process from ever happening. There's two or three people on this show that were like, 
people living to two and three hundred isn't going to be crazy. So, yeah. Soon. Yeah. That's fuck. That fucks me up. And the thing that fucks me up the most about that is like, imagine you lose family members due to like some whatever degenerative thing or whatever, and if they had just stuck it out for another twenty years, they would have lived another hundred. Yeah. Yeah. It's really stressful to think about, dude. I mean, all the the whole crop of people who passed away like two weeks before the polio vaccine came out. Ugh. Just missed uh, it. Just missed it. How do you come to terms with that? Yeah, that's pretty brutal. It's fucking tough. Um, I have a theory that I want to share with you. This sure. is a little adjacent to what we've been talking about, but but actually not that adjacent. Um, Okay, so you know how in in the the theory of sort of of trans thought within the trans community that some people are born in the wrong body yes okay so i i, I subscribe to that all right so imagine someone you know right who uh is like disappoints people a lot because maybe he's always late or maybe he's I don't know, cheating, cheats on girlfriends right. or, or like, and he gets your hopes up because you think he can be better. And for some reason he just, yeah, can't because you know him from a lot of his accomplishments that he's had. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you expect him to continue to climb and adhere to growth and self-reflection and continued success. And yet he constantly falls short of the benchmarks that people lay out for him. Mm -hmm. And, Everyone hates him because of it, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, all right, well, if that dude, instead of being in this life of corporate ascension, of, you know, high, high esteemed degrees, of big, you know, sort of the top tier social ranks, whatever it is, if he was just living in a cabin planting his garden and living a peaceful life and being happy making 40 grand a year nobody would be disappointed in him and maybe that's the life he's supposed to be living interesting so so people are disappointed in him from his per, for professional it's not a personal they're disappointed thing? in him and they're let's say that they're disappointed in this guy for all sorts of reasons okay. right but is it that is it his fault, number one, or if, if, you know, by contrast, if he were just in a different life, but the same guy with the same behavior, the same work ethic, the same loyalty to friends, all of that, if he was just in a place where the expectations weren't so high. Right. And, but because and of the way he was, well, the place he was born, right. the people who raised him, the things that he has accomplished everyone continues to hold extremely high expectations for this person and he doesn't meet them. Totally. And we're not shitting on $40,000. We're just, you can't, it's hard to live on that here. If that's it. That's not, we're not, you know, yes, you can live perfectly fine. Other places with $40,000. It, it, it is challenging to live on that in New York. Yeah. Let's say, let's say that somebody who, well, I mean, I'll use myself as an example. People are always saying to me, like, imagine, as a way of knocking me, they'll say, like, imagine getting a Harvard degree, you know, having your parents have you go to Harvard only to become a stand-up comedian and make, you know, whatever, right. whatever I make. As if I've somehow, like, let my parents down that I'm a disappointment based on yes. what I've lived. But, you know, I fortunately had this idea that the life I was supposed to be living was the, a life of comedy. Yeah. And then I shifted my life into that out of the track that I was in. And I found what I think is the right life or a more right life for myself. Right. And you think that you're right. So you think that maybe this guy, he isn't a disappointment. He just is living the wrong life is what you're saying. I think so. Yeah. Like if you put this guy in a different set of circumstances, Maybe it would, he'd find harmony and he'd be a better guy and all that stuff. Yeah, I think that there is a much happier life for him out there somewhere that uh, we're, we're all of a sudden, instead of disappointing people, he'd be right in line with expectations. Right, right. 
and he and he'd still be himself mm-hmm. um and and he'd be happy and considered successful mm-hmm. it's just that he's not in the right life right now right so yeah we got to find the right life find the Dude, right think life. about think about pat tillman right pat that, tillman was the uh safety for the arizona cardinals who when 9-11 happened he just immediately dropped out of the nfl and enlisted in the army rangers went to fight and was killed by friendly fire overseas in afghanistan how did i miss that story that's crazy well Um, i'm surprised you did because he became this like symbol of um patriotism and it was almost used as a propaganda piece by a lot of people and then it was found out that it was like he died for his country, and then it was, and then it came out that he was killed by friendly fire. Right. Well, and then you still there, died for your country, John Crack. Yes, yeah. but John Krakauer wrote a book that called, I think it was called uh, "Where Men Win Glory." It's a great book; you should read it. Um, and it posited the theory that he was actually killed intentionally uh, by friendly fire because in Afghanistan there is. You know, that's one of the the sort of nerve centers of the opiate, the heroin trade. Yes. Because they have crazy amounts of poppy fields. And uh, it was found out, it's suggested that he had pulled back the curtain on the U.S. Armed Forces involvement in that. And that he was ready to spill the beans. That's the theory in the book. I'm not saying that. But I do have a friend who was a, a Marine who has has said something similar. So that's that's let's call that the conspiracy theory. But anyway, that's all that's all Pat Dillman. My point being, he was in one life, mm-hmm. which was this, you know, focused, diehard athlete life of, you know, playing college football, getting drafted, going to the NFL. I think he became a an all pro um safety for the Cardinals. And then had this crazy huge contract extension, which he walked away from because he felt that his his life, uh, this new life of of joining the armed services and going to fight for the country was the life for him now. Yes. Right? Yes. Do you know anybody that you think like they're not living the right life? They're just in the wrong life? I don't know. I think about that sometimes, um, but usually after the fact, usually when somebody makes a pivot and then I'm like, oh, whoa, that's crazy that that's their life now. Right. You know what I mean? And I think from, from my perspective, it's kind of like, it's not even living the wrong life. It's like trying to find the right life. So it's like, you know, we're here in our twenties, I'm hanging out with some people and then I'll just randomly see their Facebook and see that they've made a complete pivot. They are they're a yoga instructor now or yeah. they're you know what i mean like that seems to be one that's pretty popular mm-hmm. sort of like becoming a yoga instructor or whatever and like it seems like a really nice lifestyle whatever um so most of the time i tack it up to that it's like this person was trying to find their calling and they did eventually but the point you make is also a very good one it's like is there sometimes people trying to do things that maybe they aren't as well suited for as they would be doing other things right guys if you're thinking about starting a podcast fill in the blanks here if I were in a concert right now and I said, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, I'd then turn the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium and you would all yell, Anchor, Anchor. And then you'd say, go to anchor.fm to download the software where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user-friendly and nice and not too technical and industry jargony. It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, ooh, that's pretty. And also it's our podcast. And you, there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running. It's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, Anchor.fm, download it now. So imagine, let's take you, for example, right? Mm -hmm. There are things in your life that trouble you, that give you anxiety. Have you ever had the thought of, I wouldn't have to deal with any of these issues if I became a priest? I don't have that thought. (laughs) No, okay. Fine, but but, but it's but an interesting thought to, be, to have. You, Absolutely, by by just going to a different life, which isn't to say that you're necessarily running away, but maybe you're running towards happiness, towards what you were kind of more meant to be doing, but you never really had the thought to do it, or you were too afraid to just rip yourself out of the track you've been on. 
maybe you feel like you've made a bunch of progress, you've come too far to just hit the reset button and go in a completely different direction. Right, right. And that's the thing. Yeah, you kind of get, and people have kind of given me that advice before. They're kind of like, just because you've told yourself you're going to be one thing doesn't mean you have to. You know what I mean? Yes. Just because you've spent so much time doing something doesn't mean you have to continue to do it. It's sort of like the sunk cost theory. That's exactly right. You know, it's like just because you bought the ticket doesn't mean you need to take the flight. So, and and like you said, there's there's sort of moments that can help you find, they can help you realize these things. And to be honest, it's one of the reasons why I enjoy traveling so much, I think, because this that travel clarity where you're not like bogged down by your life, it allows you to kind of have a bird's eye view on your own life and sort of, if you can take some of those nuggets with you when you get back, it can really help you sort of optimize the way that you live your life. Mm. In my opinion, I don't know. That's kind of a parallel thought. Yeah, no, it's, it's fascinating. I I think that's a really good way to do it. Uh, Traveling, especially traveling alone. Mm. uh, You, you get to look and think about what life it is that you're coming back to. Yes. And it allows you to really sort of itemize or, or brand or package that life and ask yourself do i like this right or do i not well how can i change it yeah now i don't want to overcomplicate things for people (laughs) louis ck had a good bit a a while back where he talked about like what comes with a basic life Mm -hmm. i can't remember exactly what the tenets of that were but you know it's like you you live you eat, you sleep, you make a little money, you have a little sex, whatever. That's that's right. what comes with the basic life. And then there are, you know, steps up from there. Um and and for a lot of people, that's enough. That's all you should expect. You shouldn't you shouldn't be disappointed if you fall short of your wildest dreams or something like that. Yeah. But dude, it's also like a stereotype that, and it's a good one, that, you know, these people in the city and this rat race, like it can make you unhappy. And like people who kind of live a less competitive, more peaceful, more quote unquote, heavy quotes, normal life are happier. And like, there's no, that's not a coincidence. Right. You have your community and everybody knows each other. And like, it's not like that. You know what I mean? I don't know. Part, part, Part of this, I've been doing a lot of thinking lately. and. Sometimes I wish I could think a lot less mm. because my thinking, I, I sometimes I just feel like I'm like my brain is a computer that is making a lot of noise mm. and you're like, you got to, someone needs to install a new fan in that thing because it's overheating. So is this about you though? Are you, no, do you have no, that thought? No, because I, I think that fortunately I saw at a very early point and have seen it in many points in my life uh, that I was trending towards a life that was not what I wanted, and I, I was quick to rip out the roots mm. and re-sow my seed in a new plot. Nice. Um, but here's here's kind of what I mean, right? To your point, right? New York City, the rat race. I was riding the subway the other day. I sat down on the bench, and all around me there were just loogies on the floor. <laughs> People had been hawking loogies. <laughs> on the floor of the subway it smelled horrific it was disgusting That's terrible you could just feel the filth seeping into your skin into your bones uh giving your soul the black lung That's disgusting. and i i went up and and uh you know did some work and then took the subway home equally unpleasant walking from the subway back to my apartment trash everywhere dog poop that people aren't picking up that's now baking in the sun uh, the humidity's at a hundred and eight thousand percent there's no there's no stream to go swim in there's no pond to jump into there's right. no relief right there's no pasture no trees for shade nothing right, right. you're right. just standing and walking down a skillet where the sun is cooking off the granite of the the buildings that obscure any eyesight towards peace and pasture, and it, 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 I grew up in Maine. That, that that poem is called New York by yeah. Francis Ellis. I grew up in Maine, <laughs> where it, that was so different from any of this, and I didn't know any other way. And you move here, and you get used to it. And fortunately, I love my apartment, and I I like my group of friends, and all of that. Um. 
but I can't help but think that the amount of money I make, you know, I used to say that I have to live here because this is the only place where I could make the money I I make doing what I do. Mm. But I'm now starting to think that, you know, there's a little bit more flexibility in that. And that's as a result of COVID. I think people have realized how to maximize their earning from home mm -hmm. and how much farther my dollar would go and how much more grass and yeah. and peace might be found in a slightly different life. Yeah. Not so far from here, you know? I've been thinking about that. Over yonder. Yeah, man. Fuck, dude. I don't know. That's a lot of, uh, I guess, existential <laughs> dread. The computer, bro, in your brain. Yeah. Ripping uh, analysis. How, how set are you on New York? Uh, I really like it here, man. I really do. How long? Uh, Indefinitely? Through kids? I don't know. I through, just, what, what, through what birthday of kids? Is there any idea in your mind that at some point, little Julio is going to be eight years old and being like, Dad, Dad, I really want right. to have a cat. So I'm assuming that the proper, the, the proper decision having to do with all of that will present itself. Like there's too many steps between now and then for me to have the clarity to know what I'm going to want to do. But for the time being... I do see myself here. I do like it here. My friends are here. My life's here. The the point you made about the sort of you need to be here to work thing isn't as compelling of a point as it used to be. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but I also don't get that bummed out about like I, about money as much. <laughs> like I, like the idea that like my money doesn't go as far here like doesn't really bother me. Maybe it should, but well, like I don't know. I will I will be interested to hear if. Um how you feel about that in a year because you've just entered the world of right of getting totally paying. crushed by rent yeah and you know a few months into it now it's not great but it's fine you know yeah. um yeah haven't bit off more than i can chew yet so i guess we'll see dude i think you guys you know you found an amazing apartment we got a good deal for we we wouldn't you know. be able to afford it before the pandemic yeah so I guess we'll see. But dude, there's also stuff about the city that's so fucking quirky and like, you know, I'd, I'd be bored without it. Here's an example. I went to the Russian and Turkish baths yesterday. Yeah. See, you do these kinds of I things. I do activities. I'm a big activities guy. Julio is, is a tourist guide, a tour guide for himself. <laughs> that's well said. Yeah. That's accurate. And do Just, you, have you ever been to this place? No. Dude, it is so odd. It's so fucking odd. I went to the one on Wall Street. I've been to the original one that's on like 10th Street. Russian and Turkish, Turkish baths. There's something about when it says Russian and Turkish in the description that you know you're not going to a spa where they're playing music. There's something harsh and brutal about yeah. it. The saunas are the hottest of any sauna you've ever been in. The people are fucking weird. It's just like, as Brent said, Brent took me there once. He goes, it's a lot of critter, a lot of critters down there. Yeah, talking about the people. There's just weird guys in there, dude. It's like, it's like uh, there's a lot of like hippies and kind of just weird people. Mm. But then there's also be like the hottest people you've ever seen. Like, dude, I saw one of the prettiest girls I've ever seen yesterday. First of all, I didn't know it was coed. Yeah, it's coed. I saw a gorgeous woman in the Russian, uh, the Russian sauna, which is the hottest one, and she was getting that leaf treatment, or some guy wearing a little hat beats you with leaves and then gives you a cold shower and then beats you with some more leaves. Look it up online if you're not familiar with this. Mm. It's crazy. But anyway, the guys in the sauna, when she walks out, they're like, do you see that girl? Oh my God, there's some hot shit. Like, I don't know. I don't think any of these guys know each other. They're all just talking. And then she comes back and then they all start trying to take their shot at flirting with her, dude. Huh. It was crazy. The guy's like, he's like, oh, uh, I guess we got to move here before your guy comes back, right? You don't want you don't want him to see you with two other guys, huh? <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is going on, dude? It's so weird. And then there's these little guys who walk around trying to give you treatments. Like they'll be like, "Oh, I give you the the and you're like, "Yeah." And uh Brent also said he's like, "You got to be careful with those guys." He goes, "If they start flirting, you got to nip it in the bud because they might reach around and grab your caucus." <laughs> <laughs> I gotta meet this Brent. You did meet him at the party. What? Yeah, he might have left before you got there. Chris met him. Um, 
Damn but, it. But anyway. I was talking to Brent for a while, and then after he left, I went up to Julio. I was like, Julio, Brent didn't drop any sayings on me. It's pretty disappointing. Oh, that is disappointing. Was his voice similar to the way that Julio presented? It wasn't, it? but Julio said it was loud in there, so maybe yeah. it's different. Chris okay. didn't so. get him at his proper octave. Okay. okay. His, but anyway, so dude, all as you would say, all this is to say. Yes. Um, I do say that a lot. I love that. I love going. And to be honest, I didn't even enjoy it. I stayed for like 40 minutes. If I went to the Korean spa, I'd stay for three hours. It's much cleaner. It's much, the Russian spa is just too intense for me. Yeah. Um, but, but dude. You're, you're the only person I know who would say I loved hating something. <laughs> How bad things are can really be funny and fun. And dude, like I can't just go to the Russian Turkish baths if I live in fucking wherever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not, not, and again, I'm not shitting on wherever. New York just has so much shit going on. There's so much weird ass shit you can do Mm -hmm. and fun stuff and this and that. And like, I love that dude. Yeah. And to me, I'm not ready to give that up yet. Sorry for the long anecdote about the weird Russian We needed that. I think that presents to, and listen, I'm not even thinking about moving out. Um, I just am curious. I'm curious about life and the decisions that I've made that have landed me here, whether they were all the right decisions, whether they were optimized Mm -hmm. decisions, what's, you know, let's say that I had, and and I've, you know, you don't know what the right decision is, but let's say that my life was one big choose your own adventure book. And that at every single turn, I, there was one path that led to, a slightly better outcome and one that led to a slightly worse outcome. Mm-hmm. And every single chance I made the the correct, by luck, the correct choice, how much farther along would I be? Where would I be? Dude, would I be the president? I got you on this. Would I be the president? Maybe, but maybe you don't want to be the president, dude. I think that in this choose your own experience book, there are many right decisions. Yeah, And these decisions, you know, you make these decisions, then over time you make them right because of your character and who you are and how many great friends you have and like this cool life that you have for yourself. All these things contribute to it. Let's also not forget, dude, we're we're early in the game still. Who knows, who the fuck knows where you're going to be and what you're going to do and what kind of great things you're going to do. Like you, it's, it's a dangerous exercise to kind of look back suspiciously at the decisions you've made instead of, you know, you have so many big decisions that are going to be made still that are going to make, that are going to round out this story. Yes. But you lose the freedom to make a coin flip out of a decision. The, the older you get, yeah, no, because true. then other people's lives are, are right. riding on what right. you decide to do. And even now I, I would say that that was one of the biggest things weighing on me with the decision of moving with my girlfriend is kind of you take away that spontaneity the the ability to be spontaneous from yourself which dude maybe that that's overrated you know what i mean yeah think about how dynamic our lives are anyway think about how many places we go how much shit we do how many cool people we meet we do a lot of great shit and i know you're not you're not taking away from i agree totally but but you know it's the same way how when you're in a girlfriend when you have a girlfriend you're like man if i was single and then, you know, that guy who would tell you, enjoy your years being single as much as you can, you know, but you like, you forget about how romanticized that is. Yes. You know, I, I fortunately I don't. And I'm not trying to give you that a, a talk. Well, I have some single friends who are, you know, out there and I watch what they're doing and I'm like, thank God <laughs> I don't have to deal with that. Dude, totally. And like, think about it. You're in your fucking sick apartment with your fancy ass coffee machine that's it <laughs> putting in some of the finest coffee beans and grinding them up old-fashioned style the small pleasures in life I, one decision life. i once made which i don't have any regrets about was getting into a conversation with my buddy jim over at brooklyn roasting company i met him at one of his coffee stores he was in there taking pictures for their instagram account you should follow them brooklyn roasting uh if you like kind of coffee porn <laughs> And I started talking to him and I was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm taking the pictures of the Instagram account. And I was like, well, I got, I got Instagram, you know, and he checked me out and that's how we hit off this great friendship. He brought me to the the roasting plant, gave us a tour, and then we got to sample a bunch of the beans. And ever since we've, we've been uh, good friends and and partners and, and 
I can't tell you how delicious their coffee is. This is the Sumatra Ketiara blend, which we have finished. That's an empty tin. This is not a false ad. There are no <laughs> more coffee beans. Jim, if you're listening to this, we need a refill. Hi, Jim. I need some of the peanut butter, dude. <laughs> Julia wants the peanut butter. I will quarantine it from Hillary to make sure that she's not around it wow. to keep her alive. I need it. Yes. It was so fucking good. I need it. It's incredible. Uh, I love this coffee Great so company. much. Uh, it, they really do have incredible, incredible different blends. It's my favorite coffee I've ever had. And if you like coffee, go to brooklynroasting.com. Use promo code OOPSBEANS, one word, and you'll get 5% off of your order. Guys, do it today and don't delay. Love it. Dude, it's it's really like, not to carry on about it, but it's like, it's a cool brand too. Like if you're, if you were a single, if you were a single person and a person and, and you had someone sleep over and they saw that you had that in your kitchen, like that really gives you points. The, mach- the coffee machine we no, have? No, no, the That brand of coffee. Oh, oh The yeah. coffee machine as well. But like, if I was, you know, a guy staying with a girl other way around, whatever, and I saw that, I would be impressed. Yeah. It's just like a flex. It's a flex to have Brooklyn Company, Roasting Company yeah, coffee. Yeah, it is. Get in there. Yeah, way better than some instant coffee or some whatever it is. Dude, it's Crummy, fire. crappy bag. It's really fucking good. Dude, I want to talk about the night. So on the last episode, we talked about my birthday party. The day before... Um, you had a, you hosted some people for dinner. Yeah. Francis has this big green meat smoking apparatus. Big green egg. How much does that thing cost? Is it expensive? It's expensive. It's it gotta was a, be like, it was a gift. Okay. Wonderful. Really nice gift. Yeah. Um, and Francis has started to really, as you guys maybe have unfolded, Francis has started to really become proficient smoking meat yeah. in sort of the traditional fashion. I'm not going to call myself a pit master yet, but He's getting there. I I could see myself, I could see that in my future. And dude, this is what, like, you know, when you when you retire to that ranch and you just start fucking smoking meat yeah. from the cows that you've raised yourself. <laughs> it gives me so much pleasure to cook meat. Dude. It just really does. It's it's therapeutic. I'm alone. There's nobody, nobody messes with you when you're up there I know cooking your own the meat for everyone dude so we we recorded two episodes that day and in between the episodes so oh god francis yeah. threw the meat on we recorded yeah and then he went to check on the meat in between and things sort of sort of took a turn that we thought maybe would not be able to be i can tell this story yeah so i feel like you're protecting my girlfriend and which I am grateful for, but she's tough. She can handle it. Here's what happened. I took, I, I had set the smoker up to smoke. The rule of smoking meat is low and slow. We were doing racks of baby back ribs. I'd marinated them. I had, uh, you know, uh, put a put a rub all over them. And then I had gotten my smoker exactly to the temperature I wanted. But it's finicky. Andy, they're expensive. They're expensive. The ribs are. The ribs are expensive. Yeah, a lot of... Yeah, we're cu- cooking for 10 people. And it wasn't cheap. So, meanwhile, my girlfriend was doing all of the sides, the salads, this incredible potato salad, everything from scratch. Just as much work, if not more, than what I was doing. And I had been a little cavalier with my day in that I had decided to go play golf in the morning where I thought if I timed it perfectly, I could hit Whole Foods on the way home, get the meat, get everything set up on the smoker just in time, for us all to, to record our podcast and uh, that I could leave it on the smoker low and slow without manning it for the entirety of our podcast. I would check in between episodes and uh, all would be well. But of course, I got home later than I thought. The smoker took longer to get set up than I thought. I finally get everything down, but I was a little nervous about the temperature situation because if it goes above 250, you're kind of cooking higher than you want so i told my girlfriend hey can you just check on this like every 15 minutes for the first episode of the podcast if the temperature goes way above 250 degrees uh i want you to close the vents closing the vents chokes out the oxygen flow lowers the temperature right it's almost kind of counterintuitive in a way because you would think that sealing all the heat in is how you right make it make it hotter but that's not the way obviously with the smoker so she goes no problem now it took me two years 
of playing with this thing to <laughs> master the centimeter of space that the slide door, you know, moving it one inch, one centimeter to the left, closing it can change the temperature 20, 30 degrees. And it's that it's that touchy. I had basically said to her, as I put it, you know, I'd given her the the controls to the plane and said, fly this Boeing 747 with no experience. But to her credit, she was like, sure, no problem. Now, we're recording. Everything's on. All the meat's on. The temperature goes to 270 degrees. And she gets worried. So she Googles how to cool off the big green egg. And whatever search results she found told her to open everything. (laughs) And that's what she did. She opened the vents. She opened the top sort of top vent and then went back she by the way she's a full-time job so she goes back to like work (laughs) calls in between episodes half an hour later 20 minutes later i come up i come up to check on the meat the meat the thing is at 450 degrees in incinerating it absolutely scorching as if you were trying to get rid of a body right that's the temperature this thing was at it's like bones and all we don't want any trace i panic and i yell down to her i'm like what what happened why is everything ah and keep in mind our dinner guests are coming in an hour two hours (laughs) and she comes up and she's like what i i I did this i i I saw it get to 270 so i and i was like no no you need to close it you need to close it and we start having this she starts panicking and she's like no you're wrong i googled it and she tries to like open it again and i'm like don't touch it don't touch it and uh we have this crazy standoff and <laughs> standoff i'm like funny. oh my god i don't know what to do she starts getting very upset and she's like i don't even want people to come over anymore we gotta throw it all out and i'm like yeah we gotta throw it out and then we think maybe we should order from a barbecue place delivered I'm so disappointed. We'd done all this work. But then I decided to try to salvage it by wrapping the ribs in tinfoil and letting them steam at a much lower temperature for the last two hours to really tenderize it, which is what we did. We managed to cancel the barbecue delivery order. The ribs came out pretty darn well they were unfucking believable despite having a very charred exterior dude i'm I'm not blowing smoke up his ass he he truly still believes that i am i didn't touch the ribs with my hands julio ate ate almost the bones i had bones on my plate i'm not a barbecue aficionado i don't i don't like getting my hands dirty i the bones fell out of the meat yeah like as if the ribs were taking a shit (laughs) of bones and I crush, and I, I, it was one of the best meals I've ever had. We had, we, the, the meal turned out great. And what was so funny was to look at the smiling faces of all of our guests <laughs> who had no idea the amount of turmoil and <laughs> angst that had gone into the cooking of this meal. And it was, it was very tough on my girlfriend and me. I mean, we had a, a sort of a fight, a beef. A beef that that bled into the next day because we couldn't resolve it then because all the guests were there. And so it was it wasn't until, I guess, Saturday morning that we finally were able to have our our summit, our apology summit (laughs) and uh, the negotiations. But man, crazy, crazy, it's crazy. Um, Dude, do you ever think about this? You know, when a dog comes out and there's dinner and the dog is just looking for any morsel that they can possibly get. Yeah. And I'm like, fucking dogs, all they care about is food. Literally, they just think they want more food and they're just constantly looking for it. But then I realized dogs eat the same food every day. Mm. Like, do you think that is why they're so, or they would be like that anyway? Like, if you could only eat fucking whatever, pheasant and beef formula, wouldn't you be constantly looking for real food as well? Or is this just not a good comparison? Well, that sounds like pretty good dog food. (laughs) pheasant dog food there's always pheasant in the fucking you're right you're right you're right you're right (laughs) so your question is that their lack of variety is what makes them so focused on food but like is that possible or is it wrong to compare dog brain to a human brain i think dogs set their timer by their meals 
Right. And unfortunately, you know, a dog would probably prefer to have a breakfast meal, a lunch meal, maybe an afternoon snack, and then a nice <laughs> dinner that hit all the food groups. I mean, it's not that dogs can't eat vegetables and chicken and brown rice right. or whatever. Right. We just don't want to go to the trouble of doing that for them. <laughs> Do you think they prefer one thing over the other? I mean, certainly I think if they dogs don't eat it, definitely they don't want would it. rather have a nice rotisserie chicken. If they're willing than to kibble. eat it, right? But that's what I mean. Like, can they do that in their brains? Are they like, I I like both of these things, but I prefer that. Oh, good question. Or is it like I will either eat it or I will not? Is it like binary, or is okay, it? Well, let's say this: you put the dog food bowl next to a bowl of rotisserie chicken. The dog is going, going to the rotisserie chicken. Right? chicken. right. That's choice. That's preference. Dude, some of my friends who have little kids, they're, they've gotten into this routine where like they have to lock the dog up while the kid's eating because once the dog's out, the kid will just throw the dog all of his food. <laughs> so they'll let him out for like the final stage of the dinner so that he can have the... I think that's pretty cute. I don't know, dude. I used to uh, hate eating carrots when I was a kid. <laughs> I hated my carrots. They're not my favorite still. I like no, them, but... My you know parents have to invent lies for why you should eat your carrots <laughs> that you can see better in the dark santa if you don't eat them santa's not gonna bring yeah, you give you superpowers or something isn't I, it funny how like that you, your parents will use that in july on you and you don't think you're like santa isn't already taking inventory <laughs> on who's being a bad boy yeah, when yeah it's a good point <laughs> when but i used to i used to do this thing where i would eat a couple of the carrots i would you know scarf them down unhappily and then I would grab the last four or five little mini carrot sticks and I would tell the dogs we growing up, our dogs were just outside all the time. They loved being outside. And so I would go walk out the door and my mom would be like, what are you doing? You, you haven't finished your dinner. And I'd be like, I'm worried about Waggy. <laughs> Waggy was our dog. And I'm going to go look for her. So I'd go stand out on the porch and I would yell, Waggy. Waggy, and as I was yelling it, I would throw the carrots into the woods, <laughs> and then solid. I'd come back and I'd be like, "I can't find her," but all the carrots would be gone. That's solid, dude. That's a solid little racket you had there. I wait, you know, cue someone telling me that's white privilege to be able to throw your carrots away or something. But <laughs> yeah, do we got a couple emails? If you want emails, hit me, baby. If you want to uh, hit me with the mails. Okay, so we'll do a couple here. Um. All right, the first one is called, I just found out my boyfriend is in a religious cult. Excellent. Excellent, right? Hi, Julian Francis, avid listener of the pod. Um, let's get into it. Love it. I started dating this boy six months ago, and for the sake of anonymity, let's call him Chris. That's a little confusing. Is that confusing? No, with okay. our Chris? Okay, fine. Chris is not, not to be confused with our Chris. Yeah. In case you happen to space out for half a second. Chris, the boyfriend of this girl, is a very nice guy. He's extremely intelligent, has a great job, very successful for his age, and seems to come from an amazing family. Chris and I are pretty serious. I'm crazy about him, and we have probably the healthiest relationship I have ever been in. Wonderful. All sound like the ultimate checklist, right? Well, except for one thing. Chris is very religious. At first, I really like this about Chris, even though I am not religious myself, but can admire when other people are. I like that. That's a nice thing. That's good. For a little context, I grew up Catholic, went to Catholic school my whole life up until college. I personally do not practice any religion or necessarily believe in a single religion. However, I do take a spiritual approach of believing in a higher being and being a good person, and that is pretty much where it ends. Fair. There were a few things I noticed that were a little off about Chris's, quote, religion. For starters, he claimed there was not a name for his Christian denomination. So I thought, oh, he's non-denominational. Second, I noticed that they go to what they call a, quote, meeting every Wednesday and, and Sunday. I thought, oh, it's a Bible study. Third, they do not practice in a building nor believe in it. They only meet in people's homes. I had my reservations from the beginning, and being the investigator that I am, I would always pry deeper and ask Chris more questions about his religion, but never really got an answer. About three months ago, I was invited to a meeting. I was by no means excited to go but wanted to be a good girlfriend and be open and supportive and simply thought it was Bible study. When I tell you this shit got weird, it got weird. First of all, we all sat in a circle in dim lighting in someone's living room and they were singing out this hymn book that I had never heard of. 
And keep in mind, growing up in Catholic Christian community for 20 years, I know a lot of worship songs. And they all knew each song by heart. They also all went around the room one by one discussing their interpretation of the chosen scripture, and it was very passionate. At one point, I was preparing myself for a human or animal sacrifice because it was just so uncomfortable. I left that meeting explaining politely to Chris that I was just that it was an interesting experience, but I probably will not be attending one ever again. Chris was understanding and did not push it on me and still hasn't to this day. So today it finally occurred to me to Google, quote, no name church that meets on Wednesday and Sunday. And that is when I discovered that there actually is a name and it is a religious cult, if you will. And it goes by the name two by two, the truth, no name church, etc. Basically a secretive international religious group with a lot of history and high religious demand and abuse. I did bring this up to Chris and I told him about my research and explained maturely and calmly how this made me uncomfortable, especially with how serious we were getting. And now I've asked him over a dozen times to explain the religion more to me. I don't want to ask someone to leave the religion, especially since Chris's whole family is integrated in it. But how do you continue dating someone that you can see a future with that is pretty much in a cult? There's not a chance I will ever go back to a meeting or if marriage and kids were to happen, allow my kids to attend or be part of this group. Am I an asshole for giving an ultimatum? Do I just let him have this odd part of his life and we don't do these activities together? Or if this is just one of those things where maybe we truly aren't a good match and maybe we should say goodbye to each other. Mm. I know that was a long one, but I feel like it's a good... Yeah, lot, lots to unpack Lots here. to unpack. Lots to unpack. Let's, let's, start, let's start with this. Um, if you had never been to a Catholic mass and you were dating someone who was Catholic and you went with them to a mass for Mm -hmm. the first time, it's entirely possible that you would witness the ceremony and have just the same reaction that she did watching this thing unfold. And she was raised Catholic, right? Yes. My point being... In Catholic Mass, they sing hymns. In Catholic Mass, they do, you know, confession. They have all kinds of... And have a history of abuse. Moments. Right. Yeah, every every religion, right? Every yeah. li- It's just that we, we're more acclimatized to the big religions. So for some reason, we don't think they're weird. But religion in general is odd. Right. It's odd to get on your knees and recite a series of words to finger beads and count how many times you right. say something in order to absolve yourself for jerking off to MILF porn, right. you know? Or even just like the the outfits are yeah. weird, quote unquote. Right, and, and, and again, I don't want to just take shots at Catholics. Like, across the board, everything everything is... For somebody who has no exposure to a certain religion, witnessing that religion for the first time, can be odd. It's just odd. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what separates what this two by two thing would be the abuse, right? But but again, like we said, there's there's abuse in other. Like we'd have to see what kind of abuse. That's we're what talking. I'm talking about. That that's that's where I would draw the line from a dating perspective. And I would say, like, okay, if you're familiar with the fact that. To this day, this cult you're in, this church or whatever it is, belief system, continues to punish dissidents by flogging them. Uh, are you on board with that? And are you aware of it? And if he said yes, he was on board with it and aware of it, or like just straight up denied that it happens, to me that would be a deal breaker. That's where you throw the cult flag. Yeah. Listen, all religions start, start as cults. They're only religions because they've been around for hundreds of years. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So like if if the guy who's the leader of the group isn't banging everybody and if, you know, there isn't, like you said, crazy weird abuse happening, is it bad just because it's a little different? Maybe not. You know, I, we'd have to hear yes. more about it. I have something that I've always, I've kind of resisted or been hesitant to bring up because I'm worried about it. But I was in, you know, South Williamsburg last weekend. And that's where there is a huge Hasidic Jewish population. And you see 
the Hasidic people walking around, and their outfits are, to the un, unaccustomed eye, somewhat unusual. Is that okay to say? Totally fair. They're just unusual. For for me, looking at them, I remember thinking, because it was like a 90-degree day, I remember thinking, my God, how uncomfortable that poor guy is wearing a black coat and black trousers and a black hat. He must be so hot. He must be so hot, right? And then I watched him, and it just felt so foreign to me that someone could wear that, whereas on a day like that, I would be wearing bird dog shorts and like a tank top to, to acknowledge the heat, to do what I could to not be hot. And then I watched him cross the street, and as he was crossing the street, very secretly, he fixed his wedgie. <laughs> and instantly, I was like, that guy's just like me. <laughs> that guy and I have a lot in common. Right, you right, know, right. sure, we're dressed a little differently. Maybe our belief systems are a little different. But, you know, his underwear was riding up his butt. I would, he's doing the same. He looked a little quick yeah. glance around. You know, these are people. We're all people. We all have our weird things. He probably thinks that the fact that I you know, enjoy Summer House on Bravo right. is ridiculous. But he also might watch Summer House and on maybe Bravo. Maybe he does. There you, you go. Know. There's commonality if you look hard enough. Totally. And dude, th- certainly those kind of things will stand out no matter what. Like I essentially grew up around I, I the, the street where I lived when I was a little kid and then where my grandmother and uncle continued to live was literally on the cutoff on the, of the biggest one of those neighborhoods. Maybe in America. Yeah. Like massive in Brooklyn, whatever. And even as a kid, it's not like I was used to it. I was like, oh, that is noticeably extremely different. Yeah. But like you said, it doesn't have to be a huge problem. I don't know. And especially if, you know, like like she's saying, it hasn't been a big issue in the relationship yet. Maybe it doesn't have to be in the future. I do understand the argument about the kids. And uh, Yes. I, 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 think, I think depending on how long they've been dating, she sounds like she's... It's strange to me that she says that they're extremely serious, that this is the most serious relationship they've been in. And then that it, it took that long for her to get a glimpse or an understanding of what this massive part of his life is. Right. Like if I'm going to do something two days a week, the whole time we're dating, even if it's golf, totally, there's a good chance that you're going to be like, what is golf? And you'll Google it (laughs) and be like, what the hell you do this every Wednesday and Sunday. Like, no, that's mm -mm." dude. Very well. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, so, uh, I, unfortunately I'm in the camp of, of being like, I couldn't date somebody whose religious beliefs were completely at odds with my own. Um, Mm -hmm. If they were very devout about it, and and I feel bad saying that, right? And it's okay because I it's feel not wrong. intolerant. No, but I've tried. I tried dating a girl once yeah. who was extremely. Christian. I remember, and she took you to the thing. Yeah, I, and I tried going, and I was like, I, "Fuck this! It's, yeah. I'm sorry, it's too much for me." Um, but then the question becomes: Can she buy in to that thing, or can he buy out? Right. Right. And again, you know, if his whole family's doing it, you kind of, you know, you wonder a lot of time with the, those kind of situations. If you leave the church, you lose your family and shit. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Who knows what the deal is here? Um, because I don't think a religion like that, given her belief system, I don't think that those two things are compatible. Yeah. Yeah. Do you agree? It doesn't sound like it. It doesn't sound like it. That's about it. It comes down to the abuse. Mm-hmm. If that cult is known for abuse and whatever else, whatever horrible things to this day, then yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't square that in but, a relationship. But if, if, if say that they don't say that the things, the allegations aren't that bad and maybe not just for this situation in general, is there a way to, when your partner is this huge community of this thing to not be part of it? How do you date somebody? How do you do it? I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't know, know either, can. man. I don't know but if you can abuse or not. Yeah, I just don't know. I don't know. For me, it's it's not possible. Yeah. And uh, maybe that's just because I'm 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 too particular. But good luck to her. I don't know. Wish you the best. Good I luck. I would bring I would bring up the the kid thing if I were her. Just straight up hit him with like, "Yo, if we have kids. Are right. you 
is it going to be expected that we will raise them in this two by two thing? Right. And if he says yes, and she says she knows that that's a no, then we're, yeah. where are we? What's the point anymore? Totally. Yeah. Well said, dude. Hey, we're Oops the Podcast. Send us your cult stories <laughs> to oopsthepodcast at gmail.com. Get yourself some Brooklyn Roasting Company coffee. And uh, check out Julio's Instagram. Check out Packlight. Packlight's cool. I'm, I'm going to go make some videos now, too, yeah. I think. Uh, we're going to South America. We'll see how that turns out. It's kind of experimental, but it should be fun. This was a very cerebral episode. I think we were very thoughtful. I don't know. It was meandering and was somewhat uh, just philosophical. But I, I'm, I feel, I feel uh, lightened. Enlightened, good, good. in a way. Yes. Um, Oops, a podcast. I'm Francis Ellis. He's Julia. We will see you soon. Thanks, guys.